This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Behind the Micah podcast. This is episode number 21, and we are on a downhill slope now as we head towards 30 episodes. That's been our goal. I uh, got a, a wonderful friend of mine uh, who I've been friends with for, for a while now. Ron Bridgewater is with us from Columbus, Indiana. He preaches at the East Columbus Christian Church. Ron, so good to have you on the show today. It is good to be here, man. I appreciate what you're doing. And before we go any further, let me just say I am so proud of you, man. Uh, I, I, I have watched you grow. I've seen you go through um, some, some difficulty in ministry and, and um, to, to be where you're at in Odin and see what your church is doing is man, it's awesome. And I'm just, just so happy for you, man. I appreciate that. I, I look going back, I have been uh, friends with Ron for a long time now. Now, man, our relationship really got, uh, got good when uh, I think I remember I was standing where I was when I asked this question, I text Ron, it was probably back in like around 2010 ish or 2009 ish. Uh, and I'd sent Ron a text and I said, Hey bro, um, I need, I need a job. Uh, <laughs> do you know of any, like in ministry, man, I was doing, I was doing bivocational ministries, what it was, I was working at a church, uh, but I was also needing some, some more, uh, income, you know, of course I was, you know, newlywed and all this kind of stuff. And so I text Ron one day, I was standing on my back deck in, in Madison and Ron says, I might have a position that I can hook you up with at the Columbus Christian School. Um, and, you know, and that's where it went, man. I ended up uh, teaching high school Bible and junior high Bible and, high, and history, I think, at the school my first couple of years, uh, which was an incredible opportunity, man. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, the, the Lord knew what he was doing. Um, sure. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and that, that turned into, uh, met some awesome people, um, through it. You know, I, I got to meet, uh, Patrick Glasser, who, uh, was your youth minister at the time. Yeah. And, uh, of course I've met Kendall through here. Here's a funny story about this, Ron. This is something you don't know. Uh, Uh-oh. so, so, uh, my, uh, she just, she just recently uh, stepped away from the position, but she was my youth minister here at the church. Um, and she's real big in, um, like mission work and that kind of stuff. And uh, the other night I get, have you ever heard of Marco Polo, the app? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. the app. Yeah. I, well, thought ta- I thought you were talking about the, the swimming pool game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's this app, Marco Polo, where you can like, it's like video text messages. Right? Oh, okay. okay. It's like a really short, like, Hey, you know, or whatever. And um, so she sends me this Marco Polo the other night and uh, she's like, I have someone on here. Now keep in mind, like people here, don't know a whole lot of people over there, right? Like where you're at, um, just because of location and that kind of stuff. And um, so she says, hey, uh, there's somebody here that knows you. Uh, and I wanted to bring her on this uh, Marco Polo. And like she shifts her camera on her phone over and it's Amy Mathis standing in her. Uh, and, uh. Yeah, and she goes, uh, hi, Micah, <laughs> on, the, on the app. And uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is so weird. Like, it's been, gosh, Amy was there, like, the very first time I came. Yeah. To CCM. Yeah. 
And See, I'd forgotten about that because I, I, I was thinking back to that time frame when you started here and I was thinking Kendall was our administrator at the time, but it was, yeah, it was Amy. It's been that long. Wow. Oh my gosh. And it was so That's weird. because I don't know. And she was only there like a year or maybe two when I, when I first came on. And it's so weird because I, I haven't really, uh, I think maybe we're friends on Facebook. That's about it. Like we haven't been in contact or anything like that. Uh, and then she just out of the middle of nowhere, she's like, Hey, uh, and she's hanging with my youth minister. So cool. really small world. small world for sure. But, uh, but yeah, man. Um, so, so you're preaching. How, how many years have you been preaching? How many years is this? Uh, maybe not preaching. Let me ask you this. How many years have you been in ministry? Um, wow. Um, in, 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 as a profession or just in general, because that, the those, those are two different answers. You make the terms. Okay. Um, I would say I started in ministry, music ministry when I was five with my yeah. family. Um, my mom would pull me up on stage um, and would sing half a dozen songs with the family. Uh, when I was a little kid, we'd pile in the, in the family station wagon or the family van and we'd drive all over Indiana, sometimes into Illinois, sometimes into Kentucky. And we would sing at churches in every kind of church that anybody that have us, uh, yeah. we'd, we'd come and sing. And, and so, uh, that that's one answer. So if you, if, if you go with that answer, I'm going to say 47 years. Okay. Um, if we go with the ministry as a vocation, that would be, uh, coming up on 29 years. Wow. I'm old dude. Getting close to 30 years <laughs> in ministry. Yeah, I'm an old man. How thick is your skin? I just got to say, it's got to be, well, you've been in ministry it, for 30 years. You know, it, it, it varies. Um, uh, it's thick, it's <laughs> thick at times, but then other times, man, it's like it, sometimes when it comes out of nowhere, uh, it, it Satan kind of gets you, uh, uh-huh. you know, you know how that goes and I do. just wasn't expecting it, but to toughen my skin up, a little bit more. I've been refereeing a lot of basketball games. So there you go. That yeah. helps keep me on my guard. And not only that, but you're also uh you're also a grandfather now. You're a papal. I am nuts, man. Uh I remember having Nick in class Mm-mm. and now Nick's a dad. That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. He's a good dad too. Yeah. Great. great parents. The only thing that I would change about Nick is his love for the Cubs. Um well he didn't have much choice in that. Because you, can, yeah, you can blame me for that. Um, I apologize, sort of, for that. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, but, so you but would. Did, did you see what his little boy's name is? You might appreciate this. What's that? It, it's Avit, as in the Avit brothers. Yeah. Avid brothers. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where he got the name. So. Oh, wow. That's pretty How cool. cool. Is that? Yeah, that's cool. That's different. So. You know, I. Um, it's so weird to see, and, and this is, anybody says this, but it's so weird to see, you know, kids you had in, in, in ministry or in mm-hmm. school or anything and see how, just how fast life changes, man. They're growing up. And I was just thinking about this the other day. This is how, actually, this is how I was telling you before the show, how we were talking about uh, grandparent names the other night, me and Crystal. And the reason, here's why it just came to my mind. Uh, my niece is getting ready to have a baby in August. And it's like, my niece is having a baby, which is so weird. Yeah. I remember holding her, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and now here she is having a child of her own and she's married and all that stuff. Weird. That now makes you a great uncle. Yeah. 
which is very similar to grandparents. It's the same <laughs> generation, man. You're almost there, dude. <laughs> that so, is crazy. Yeah. So, so almost 30 years in ministry. Tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are. Um, you know, a little bit about growing up, a little bit about how you ended up, hey, man, this is what I want to do. I want to. And did you always want to preach? Was it something that you said, maybe, maybe I just want to do music or just, uh, I don't know. T tell me a little bit about it. Well, I, I grew up in, in the big city of Brazil, Indiana. Uh, some of your Odin folks might, um, might know where Brazil is just a little North of there. I think Yeah, a couple hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I grew up in Brazil, uh, in, in, uh, a singing family, as I said, and, and, um, you know, we're very active in, in another church in a uh, denomination uh, that um, we no longer are a part of, the, the Nazarene Church. I'm not knocking the Nazarene Church at all, um, gotcha. but we grew up, they were very, it was a very stringent uh, religious type of church that um, very strict and, and some things that we just saw some inconsistencies in that particular church, yeah. not, not yeah. the Nazarenes in general, but in yeah. that particular yeah. church. And so, um, when my mom got her ears pierced, they told her she couldn't teach Sunday school anymore. Wow. So wow. that kind of, you know, one thing <laughs> led to another and, and, uh, mom changed churches, started going to a, a church that I wasn't a big fan of. And I was about 13 years old at the time. And, um, so I started going to another church and, and, um, you know, by the time I was about 19, 20 years old, uh, the, the things in this, in the Christian church in Brazil were making more sense to me than anything I'd ever heard. And I, I remember pastor George Hewitt, uh, who on a Sunday morning just basically gave a, an invitation like he'd given hundreds, if not thousands of times before. Yeah. Leading yeah. up to the song, I Surrender All. Yeah. And he said, have you? Have you really surrendered everything? And I hadn't. I mean, I was at a softball tournament, you know, skip church. If I, you know, if I had a chance to play basketball, skip church. If I, you know, whatever. I, it, it, it was it was something that was kind of important to me, but it wasn't the most important thing. My relationship with, with Christ was not my most important. Yeah. Top five yeah. or ten, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that day I, I kind of said you know no I haven't and so I surrendered everything that day you know and, and I said whatever you want Lord and it wasn't long after that I started working with a guy who said listen I think you'd be great in ministry and and I didn't agree with him but to shut him up I, I agreed to go on a Bible college visit with him and the next thing I know I'm packing my bags for Cincinnati and there right. you are man yeah yeah That's and, crazy. And, and honestly it was crazy because I had I had applied at a, a position. I, I was doing a lot of singing and I was traveling around on a bus with a, with a gospel quartet. Thought I was a big deal. We all thought we were a big deal yeah. and we weren't, uh, but we thought we were. And so um, it just seemed like door after door was closing there, even though we had met some really cool people that we thought could open some doors for us. We, we had become friends with country groups like Diamond Rio had become nice. a, kind of a, um, had some Bible studies with Ricky Skaggs. Um, in fact, Diamond Rio was our backup band for a little while on, on about half a dozen shows. Wow. Yeah. 
that's a, that's a story. That's a story your viewers probably don't, or listeners probably don't care about too much. <laughs> but it's pretty interesting. No, I think it's cool, yeah. man. If you can name drop, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, anyway, it just seemed like door after door was was shutting. And so I actually had a, a job interview. I was going to go to work at Walmart Distribution. I was just going to, you know, do factory work. And um, I uh, I had six interviews and a drug test and didn't get hired. I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you, what are you trying to do here? Um, yeah. And you know, he was, he was, I was too stupid to listen to him or too hard headed to listen to him. And so he, I mean, I really feel like he closed door after door after door until I finally said, okay, I'll do it. So. And then, and then, so, so you go through college, you're in Cincinnati, um, right after college, you end up for first, first job right out of college or was, I, I actually started preaching in uh, Grant County, Kentucky. My first gig was in Kentucky uh, at the Stringtown Christian Church. Loved it. Was there about 18 months while wow. I was finishing school. And, and so then I took a position at the First Christian Church in North Vernon from there and, yeah. and was there for 10 years. And now and I've been in East Columbus for the last 16. Plus. Wow. So this is this one's your baby now. This is this is, is. kind of this is home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, super cool, man. How, what, let me ask you this. What, what would you have done had you not gotten into ministry? Did you have an idea of like something else you, you were considering or you wanted to do? <laughs> well, seeing, I guess maybe that was uh, honestly, the- you know, if you've got some musical ability and you think you're halfway good at all, or somebody else told you, you were good at one time, you'd like to do that. You know, yeah. I mean, it'd just be a cool gig, but that wasn't, what the Lord had in store for me. It was more like, Hey, I'm going to use your music to enhance what I really want you to do. Gotcha. And, and so, um, I, I, music would have been cool. In fact, when I left for Bible college, I thought maybe worship ministry slash youth is where I went, uh, is the direction I was going, but, um, I had no desire to preach. I did not want to preach. And I remember vividly, just like it was yesterday, Mike Shannon came up to me at Cincinnati Bible College at the end of one of our classes. And he said, Ron, I think you'd make a great preacher. And there's a church down in Kentucky that's in need of a preacher. And I think you're the perfect fit. And you need to, you need to go down there and be their preacher. And so that's, that's where it all started. Isn't it awesome when you do that? Like when you have, when you have someone who really kind of drops you, kind of gives you life through their, through what they're saying and just says, Hey man, I think yeah. you got what it takes. Yeah. You, and you cling on to those things. I mean, I guess the opposite's true when people say things that are um, maybe critical or, uh, you know, you, we hang on to those things too. But it's always those encouraging things that you hang on to years down the road. You, you still remember, hey, man, Mike Shannon said, hey, you'd be good at this. Yeah. You'd be a great guy. And you hang on, you cling to those things. You're talking about name dropping. Um, your name has been dropped in one of the podcasts. I don't know if you know that or not. You might have missed that one. Uh, yeah, uh, no, didn't know that. With uh, with Andy Avery, I had Andy on. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I, I name I name dropped you with Andy okay. uh, because yeah. that's how I met Andy was through you. Okay. Uh, yeah. At the school, and uh, we were talking about worship. I said the first time I met Andy, I had Andy come on because he talked about uh, addiction and stuff like that, and. Um, one of the things we talked about uh, was the first time I played music with Andy. He was playing, uh, I was playing a chapel at, at CCS 
and uh andy which i've done with you uh numerous times right. and uh andy uh one day he comes up and i think chapel wasn't even in the auditorium that day i think it was in like the fellowship hall or something <clears throat> and andy comes up and he says hey man can i play uh, can i play with you and i said yeah uh absolutely you know and he sits down and i think he you know grabbed a cajon and just beat on the cajon and sang the whole time that's awesome but that was a super cool moment and that, yeah, that's cool andy's a good dude I, I i tell you he was uh he was installing our sound and lights yeah. uh, when we were doing our sanctuary remodel yes and so that's why you were having chapel in the fellowship hall or gym or somewhere because the the sanctuary was uh under construction um but yeah yeah that's cool that's yeah cool. uh we, we kind of talked about his story and of course, the one thing that we couldn't name drop was his uh, his affiliation uh, with with the group that he played music with. Mm. Um, apparently, legal or something. I don't I don't know. But anyways, it was a great story. I didn't I hadn't heard all of his story. I mean, I'd heard a little bit of it, but when he came on the podcast, man, he he kind of laid the whole thing out. It's really good. So I have to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, yeah. What number I'm, is that? Because I'm only a few in. I haven't got a chance. Yeah, to. I think it's like uh, eight or nine, maybe. Okay um but yeah it was really good man but, but ron bridgewater's name came up in the middle of that because that's well, how i met him so i feel honored so uh let me ask you a question today i want to talk about uh, a story in particular that's probably one of my favorite chapters in the whole bible um because it's it's intense what what happens and how it happens um and today we want to talk about um, the value of presence and i don't mean presence with a t but presence as being with you um, there's a guy in this story or a couple guys in this story who really value the power of presence. And, uh, the guy that we're talking about in Acts chapter 16 is you guessed it, Paul and Paul and Silas are, um, the, the Bible says that they're going every single day to this place to pray. Right. And while they're going to this place to pray, there's this woman who is possessed, demon possessed. And she's just, the Bible says she's just annoying Paul at this point. I mean, she's just screaming like, you know, she, she says uh, in verse 17, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim uh, to you the way of salvation. And so she's, she's, she's saying this every single day. And Paul uh, and Silas become annoyed by this, and Paul casts this demon out of her, um, which doesn't fare very well with her owners. No. Right? She's a, she is a slave, uh, and the reason why it doesn't fare very well with her owners is because um, that's, that's their income right there. Right. And so, uh, so they cast this, Paul cast this, this demon out of this woman. And they get upset about it uh, and they go, they go to the, the powers that be and say, Hey man, these guys are bad dudes. They, they did this to her and, and one thing leads to another. And eventually what we see in this story is Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. They're beaten and they're thrown in prison. Imagine that. Right. Right. I mean, that's Paul's pretty much his entire ministry. <laughs> Great chance to write a book. <laughs> write a story write a letter yeah so so we find paul in jail and this this prison probably is nothing like um prison that we have today um you know uh i've even read that some scholars have said that while they're there you know there's there's sewage in this in this prison 
and Paul is standing in it as he's been beaten, as he's been, you know, I, I don't know that to be true, but, but either way, it's a bad situation. Right. Right. Um, but what is so startling about this story is what happens with Paul because he's, if, if it's me, if I'm Paul, I'm in that jail saying, I hate my life right now. This is horrible. I mean, I complain with headaches. <laughs> right. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I, you know, I'd be just like you uh, in that I would be trying to blame someone for this situation. I would, I would be questioning God saying, God, you know, I, I'm out here doing your will. I've even cast out these demons. How could you let this happen to me? Yeah. That's kind of where I would probably be upset with God. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. This, this scenario is so crazy. It's so contrary to what most people would be because I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I don't know that I would be in the best of mood. I might be praying, but I'm not praying because I'm happy. I'm praying because I want out and I'm going, God, whatever it is, why I'm in here, I have no idea. I want out, right? I shouldn't be in here. I did good things as you, as you alluded to a minute ago. And here I am uh, stuck in this prison. It's horrible. It smells. Uh, I've been beaten for this. Um, it's just not a good, good thing. But, but what we find Paul is doing is something completely different. Paul and Silas, the Bible says are praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners there are listening to them. Yeah. It's like, Hey man, I'm really happy. I just got the tar beat out of me. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably not singing, you know, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm definitely, if I'm praying at all, I'm complaining and, and asking God to get me out of there. Um, you know, he, Paul's whole mindset, and, you know, obviously Silas, too, in this situation, is, is any opportunity that they had to share the gospel to be a witness, they, they were going to do it, even, even in a sewage-infested prison. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's an opportunity to share the gospel, man. We are, yeah. we got a long way to go, brother. For sure. You think it's because something was very real in Paul's life. Like sure. there, there's something, there's something that's so real in Paul's life that even when he's up to his waist in sewage and beaten and in a prison for essentially, you know, helping this woman out. I mean, maybe not financially, but he helped her out and and to an extent of she's not possessed anymore. She's just, she's just her. Um, and, and essentially the only people that were really affected by this the most were her owners. Um, but she, I, I I gotta think, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but, but in a way it was kind of freeing for her. Um, Mm. because she, you know, the only good that she brought to these guys was what she could do for them with the demons. Right. Yeah. Oh, it was great for her. Yeah, it was, it was bad for, for Paul and Silas, for sure. But I, I think what is it, it, here's the deal. Um, when when someone that when someone comes into a genuine. Um, uh, how do I want to say this? A, a, a genuine uh, relationship with Christ when they really are in his presence. And they have that um, 
100% sold out belief attitude when they really believe that he is real. They don't care about the consequences. They don't care what might happen. They're going to do whatever it is that God's asking them to do. And whatever may come of it comes of it. And that's, that's where Paul and Silas were. This wasn't the first time in Paul's life he'd ever been there, you know, in terms of, of just selling out for the Lord. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we go all the way back to, you know, on, on his road to Damascus and his conversion, he came face to face with Jesus. Yeah. And, and I think when that genuinely happens in a person's life, you can't help but do that. You, you cannot help but have that type of at least uh, mindset and desire to want to serve him. And, you know, I think what happens too many times in, in lives of, of Christians, churchgoers, use whatever term you want to use, um, we just kind of make a decision. All right, we're going to get baptized, become part of a church, almost like it's, you know, the Water Buffaloes Club or something. And, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, I'm a member and everything's good. And and God wants to come face to face with us in his word and and by his Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And and we just don't dive in enough and, and immerse ourselves in his word to let his word do its work and let the Holy Spirit do its work in our lives. So we, we miss out on those kinds of opportunities because we don't actually come face to face with Christ like Paul did. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It, I, it's, it's kind of what, what separates the, the two hour on a Sunday morning Christians from the lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the Sunday through Saturday Christians, right um, where, where something has become so real. Let me ask you this question. Um, were you ever afraid of the dark? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm right there with you. I, actually, but what I tell people is, is I, I prefer the light. Maybe maybe that's a better way of saying it. It's not right. that I'm afraid of the dark. I just prefer Let me the tell light. You, not only did, was I afraid of the dark, but the worst dark place is a church. Yeah. Where, when I was a kid, yeah, and, and you go into a church building and it's dark and you're like walking out of the sanctuary and you're the only one. Yeah. You can't get out of there fast enough. And yeah. I don't know why. What's really funny is, is before we moved into this new building um, that we're in now, um, the old building is like, it's like a two-parter, like it, the, 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 the newest part of the old building was like 1976. And then the older part that it was original, like the very first part that was connected to it was like 19, like 16 or something crazy. And it was old. And I'm telling you what, man, there were a few Saturday nights where I had to go over there and get a couple things. And it was like, <laughs> and in them old churches, man, yeah. you start hearing yeah. stuff. Um, and, uh, man, you start I, I running was, down the aisles like you're Pentecostal. To get oh out my of- <laughs> goodness, man. I was seriously looking at them. I mean, you hear things in there and I've told people here that too. I'm like, man, there's something wrong. Uh, but if I were being completely honest, I probably hear things in this building that was built this year too. So, uh, I just, I've never been a, uh, a guy that loved the dark. I gotta yeah. tell you this when I was, uh, when I was a kid, one of my chores that I had growing up was taking out scraps. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a garbage disposal. Um, it was just like, mom was like, when supper was over, my job was, Hey, Micah, go and take this out to the field and dump it. Oh, wow. And, uh, it was like, and my parents, um, they, you know, they lived in the country. So there was a, there was a, uh, the woods were, were, you know, off in the distance and, and I would go out at nighttime, man. And I would hear things like I was out there 
Um, and I would kind of, kind of slowly go out there looking around, I'm checking everywhere I'm going. Right. And, uh, I would get, and I would dump the scraps out and I, I, I don't know why my, my mind, uh, thought this, but it was like, as soon as I'd been over to dump the scraps out, that's when they were going to pounce on me. <laughs> right. And so here I am, I'm dumping these out and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pump myself up, you know, I, I don't know what it was, um, that I thought like maybe rap songs. I think I was like rapping Will Smith <laughs> while I was out there or singing, you know, Jesus freak by DC talk or something like that, that would, uh, keep the bad guys from getting me, but I would try to pump myself up. You know, I'd, I'd give speeches to myself while I'm taking the scraps out. Hey man, you're 18 years old. Uh, you, you can handle this. And I, I would dump it. And as soon as I would dump the scraps, man, I would full out sprint to the house. Like I was running and I jumped to the top step, man. I'd push the button for the garage door to come down and I'd run in the house. The funny thing is, is the very next night I had the same chore, but I had a friend over uh, and my yeah. friend would go out to dump the scraps with me. Mm -hmm. And it's like the roles reversed when I had a friend with me because I would go out there and I would even try things like, like scaring my friend. Right. I would be like, what's the matter? Are you, are you scared or what, what's, what's wrong? Man? Hoping he hadn't seen the video of me from the night before. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but what's amazing to me about that story is that it's the power of, it's the power of presence. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, when I was by myself, I was scared to death. But one other person being out there with me may not even have been someone who was stronger than me or faster than me. Might have been, I don't know. But, but, but the thing was this, that someone was with me, made a complete difference in the way that I respond to that situation. Yeah, huge difference. And, and you know, I was, uh, well, I heard, I heard someone talking one time. I can't remember where I heard this, but he was, he was talking about, you know, how we use these, uh, uh, fancy words for you know to describe God, such as omnipotence and omnipresence, and yes. all that kind of stuff. And it's like it dummying that down was big for me because um, it, they, they said it in such a way. It, it was something along these lines, and I'll probably mess it up, but but they said, okay, so here is this this uh, omnipotent God. So so he's he's all here's this all powerful God. Yeah. Right. And and he's omnipresent. So he's he's always with you. And he's omniscient. So he knows what you're going through. So this all powerful, all present, all knowing God knows everything about your situation and has the power to do something about it. That that changes the way you approach everything. You know, I, I, I mean, it, when you really just think that that no matter what it is that is is happening in your life he's there he knows about it and he can do something about it yeah and that, that's a game changer absolutely I, the, the power of presence is is so huge regardless of you, whether you're a christian or not but especially if you're a christian absolutely and and you know um i think back even before paul uh became a christian in Acts nine, as you were talking about earlier, um, I got to think that he heard the same message though, that, that Jesus said, um, at the very end of like, right before he ascended back to heaven 
And, you know, there's, and we call it the great commission and you're familiar in, in Matthew 28 um, and where, where Jesus said, he kind of gave him this objective and he says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the father, son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them to do everything I've commanded. And here's the kicker. He says, and, and along with you always, even to the end, like that part is so huge. Like I'm with you always. Um, I got to think that Paul has heard that at some point, even though he wasn't the one that, that heard that when Jesus gave that great commission, I got to think that Paul at some point from, from the other disciples has heard this message of, Hey, uh, Paul, Jesus is with us always. And I got to think that that had to play a huge factor here in Acts chapter 16, as he's sitting in a jail cell. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think also, you know, you look at the other events in Paul's life where God had proven himself time and time again, uh, even up to that point. And so, you, you know, the, the, it, it's kind of like, as the old saying goes, um, faith is like a muscle, you know, and, and you have to use it for it to grow stronger. Yeah. And so, you know, I think Paul throughout his early days as a Christian and as he's growing in his faith, um, you know, he has trusted in the Lord multiple times. And so even when he's in that prison, he knows God's going to take care of it because he's seen him come through in the, in the past, you know, yeah. and, and he's heard what other Christians have said. He's seen it himself. And so he knows even if he dies in that prison, he's going to be OK. Yeah. And then, you know, as we continue, you know, I don't know if you want to go into the, you know, the jailer's conversion and all of that. But, yeah. you know, I mean the result was phenomenal. You know, the guy went from committing suicide to surrendering his life to Christ and his whole family getting saved, you know, it's, yeah. it's an incredible story. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and yeah, so, so what, what happens next in the story, Paul and them are singing and an earthquake comes around midnight uh, because why not? Right. Midnight sounds like a good time. So midnight, uh, this earthquake comes, the doors are open and the jailer's job. I got to think that the guys, the higher ups than the jailer are going, dude, don't let them go. Right. You let yeah. them go. Uh, you might as well go ahead and commit suicide because mm -hmm. it's going to be bad for you. So yeah. these doors yeah. open up, he grabs like a sword. He's going to kill himself. And Paul's like, Hey bro, nobody's left. We're all still in the cell. Like, I promise we're not going anywhere. We're here. Right. And, and, and what an awesome opportunity because of Paul's situation and because the presence of Jesus was so real in Paul's life, he's able to witness to a guy who maybe he never would have been able to share Jesus with. And I got to think this is kind of a side note, but I got to think that God is, God uses every opportunity for us, whatever it is, right? We look at it as, man, this is terrible. I'm in a jail cell for doing nothing. God's going, this is exactly where I wanted Paul. Because, you know, you, you remember John Markland. Yeah. Yeah. Markland, our business manager. Yes. Sure. So you, you don't expect spiritual things to come from your business manager, but he's a very spiritual. Great guy. man. Great man. Always say, never waste a suffering. There's always a reason for it. There's always a reason to, um, you know, point people to Jesus. Whatever it is you're going through, you can take that opportunity uh, to to use uh, at some point for the cause of Christ. So never waste a suffering. And I think that's kind of what we see here in the life of Paul. You know, he just 
he's suffering. He's, he's going through a horrible time, horrible time, but you'd never know it because he's singing and praising the Lord and he's leading someone to Christ. Yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's really, it's really weird because that's not what you, what you're thinking. Like if you, if you couldn't see the verses ahead in your Bible and you were just looking, reading it verse for verse as it, as it went along, you're thinking what a horrible situation. And instead it turns out to be an incredible story of how Paul takes that moment that you were just talking about. He uses it to witness to this jailer. And all we know is, is by the end of the end of the night, end of the story, Uh, this guy and his whole family give their life to Christ. Uh, They're baptized, the whole family. And what an incredible, credible story taken from a guy who was thrown in prison for the wrong reason uh, or for a reason of that wasn't anything bad, but actually was trying to do good. um, And God used it for his glory. Um, It's, it's awesome to see what's happening there. But, but you were talking about earlier that Paul, there was something about Paul that his, his mindset was, um, you know, if I die here, okay, so what I'm dying for Jesus. It's, it's what Paul said in, uh, Philippians chapter one, where he says in verse 21, he says for, for to me, uh, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Essentially, if I, uh, if I live, then it's a great opportunity because I, I get to share Jesus with other people and they still get to hear the message. And I'm still going to go around and tell people if I die, I get to be with Jesus. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah. Yeah. He, he deals with that a little bit later on too. I mean, it, it, he dealt with this a couple different times, but, but I think it was a similar sentiment in another letter and I can't remember where it's at, but um, where, where he's toward the end of his life and, and he's torn, he says, I'm torn between the two. He said, it'd be far greater for me to go to heaven and receive my reward, but it's beneficial that I stay here for you. And so for a guy to be so selfless and, 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 you know, uh, to look at that and say, you know, I'm willing to put, put aside what's best for me in order to help you. He was just so in tune with the spirit. And that's, I, you know, he talks at another point about keeping in step with the spirit and just, um, you know, being so in tune with the spirit that, that he knew what God wanted him to do all the time. And, and, um, you know, that's, 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 I guess that's what I'm striving for more and more every day is to try to be more and more, more in step with the spirit so that when these situations arise, I, I know exactly what the will of God is for me to do. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. no guesswork involved. I, I don't think, think there's any guesswork in Paul's life. Not at all. Yeah. No, not, not once, not once he reaches that point. I mean, and you know, Paul, Paul's had some, he's, he, he not only has some issues there, but he's had, I mean, he's not a perfect guy. He's had issues with, even after he becomes a Christian, he has some relational issues. Uh, just the chapter before in Acts 15, he's got some uh, issues that he has with Barnabas. Um, you know, uh, him and Barnabas, they end up splitting uh, in ministry. They both stay in ministry, but they kind of go their own ways. And uh, that's where Silas actually comes into the picture um, is because of that. But, but, but at the end of the day, Paul's life, he realizes that there is a presence that is so much bigger than, than what he's seeing or what he's dealing with. And that's why he gets to a point where he's like, man, if I, if I'm here, great, I get to share Jesus. If I die even better, I get to be with Jesus. Um, but we were talking about the great commission earlier and how Jesus said, Hey, I'm with you always to the end. I'm with you which is so comforting. We talked about the story earlier about how important it is to have someone with you, the presence, um, 
you know, like, like if you're sharing Jesus with somebody around a lot of people who aren't Christian people, uh, it gets a little, a little bit nervous. I mean, if we're being honest, you know, we're, we're a little bit nervous, but if we had another guy there, man, if I had Ron Bridgewater with me while I'm telling people about Jesus, the, the conversation gets, I mean, I'm not saying that it changed, but it gets a little bit easier because I got somebody else there with me. That's, that's with me, you know? Um, I find that word always intriguing. Paul, Paul is in, um, Paul is in jail in Philippi at this time, right? Acts 16, he's in Philippi. Right. Paul ends up, um, writing this letter to the church at Philippi, which is a prison epistle. There was four of them. One of them was this, he wrote to this church of Philippi. And of course we get, that's where we get the book Philippians. And Paul, he, he gets this, this um, huge uh, financial gift from this church and he feels compelled. He's so thankful and grateful. He feels compelled to write this letter. And at the end of the letter in Philippians chapter four, Paul writes this verse that people and I know you've heard of this verse, and I'm sure others have as well. In verse 4 of Philippians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Mm-hmm. And let me say it again, rejoice. So it seems like I've, I've heard that word always before, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, we, can, we can rejoice with in whatever the circumstance because he's with us always. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, there was a song, I can't remember uh, who did it, but the idea of the song was, or, you know, and it, it, maybe it was a sermon first, I don't even know, but the idea was I would rather go through the valley with you than be on a mountain by myself. That's good. Um, And, and um, that's powerful. It's powerful that, that to get to the point in your life where you'd rather be in a difficult time and have the presence of Jesus in your life than to be on the mountaintop and him not be there. Um, it's, huge. it's huge. Have you ever been at a time in your life where you've experienced power of presence? I mean, with, with other people, or may, maybe it was sharing Jesus with somebody, or maybe it was just, um, if you're like me, you hate being alone. Um, my wife, when she travels or she's out or what, you know, here I am, you know, this last weekend, of course I wasn't alone. I had my kids, I guess, but my wife went out for mother's day. Uh, she's like, Hey, my mother's day present. I don't want anything except like 24 hours to myself, which, yeah, which is, is fantastic for her. Uh, I knew what that meant for me. Um, but (laughs) More than that, like I, I just don't operate very well um, by myself. I don't. Um, have you ever experienced something like like a, a time in your life where you know you you felt that power of presence in your life? Yeah, it, it's kind of wow. Yeah, I didn't know we was gonna go there, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I think this story fits, um, and you you don't know this story at all. I don't. Okay, know, but I'm here um, for it. There, there was a time in my life, and I was preaching here, and, and I've told this story at, at our church, so it's not a secret, but um, 
where I was, I was considering just leaving the ministry. I was, I was done. Yeah. Um, I'd been beaten up a little bit. I thought unfairly. Um, the more I looked at it, I, you know, I had a little more skin in the game than I like to admit. Um, so the Lord revealed that to me, but, but I was about ready to take my, my toys and go home. Yeah. And quit. And the week that that was all going down when it, it was kind of at the apex of, of anxiety for me, whether I want to be in ministry or not. And I mean, it was just really tough. Me, me and the elders were not getting along at all. And I, and I thought I was, I thought I was just done. Hmm. But that week that I was contemplating giving up ministry, I was preaching a revival at my brother's church. So here I had to go put on a happy face, brave face, um, and try to go preach Jesus to a bunch of people when I didn't know if I even wanted to be in ministry anymore. I mean, I believed it. I never stopped believing in Jesus, but I didn't know if I wanted to preach anymore. Right. So I vividly remember sitting on the front pew uh, at my brother's church feeling very alone. Yeah. Very much, um, I don't want to be here. Um, I don't want to be at my church. I, I don't want to be around anybody right now. And during praise and worship, the Lord and I are having a conversation <laughs> uh, and that he initiated. <laughs> and I, I said, Lord, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to preach. I'm done. And I finally said to him, and, and again, this isn't audible at all, but this is what's going on in my mind. Yeah. I said, Lord, if, if you want me to stay in ministry, you're going to do something special this weekend at this revival. There's this little church of about 50 people. Um, I think we baptized nine people that weekend in the revival. Wow. Um, had some rededications. Uh, the most powerful services maybe I've ever been a part of. Um, and I was kind of like, okay, Lord, I hear you loud and clear. But it was in that low moment where I didn't even know if I wanted to preach anymore that the Lord made his presence felt even more than I'd ever felt it before and showed me that, listen, even when things aren't going your way in ministry, even when you feel like you're right and everybody else is wrong. I'm here. I'm here. I haven't forgotten you. So that's incredible. Yeah. It's pretty, it was a pretty powerful moment. Um, and, and here you are. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 30 years. And you almost walked away. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was close. It was close. Yeah. I, th- I think ministry that, um, most, most people in ministry could probably say almost the same thing. I mean, there's certainly been times where I was like, you know what? I don't know, man. I might just go work at Walmart or something and uh, be a greeter at Walmart or something. And, uh, and that way I, you know, when it's five o'clock, I'm, I can leave, you know, (laughs) but, but you know, it's so incredible to see how God works in those ways. And, I love back to back to this. I love the way that that Paul writes that in in, in Philippians four mm-hmm. that if he's with me always, I can rejoice always. Yeah. Um, 
it may not be the ideal situation. I may be standing up to my waist in sewage um, for something that I didn't do. Yeah. But he's with me always. Yeah. And, and you know what Paul says later in that same chapter in Philippians? And I don't know if you plan to go here or not. I like it. Let's go. Said, I've learned the secret of being content in each and every circumstance whether well-fed or hungry, whether rich or poor, whether sickness, health, whatever, you know, I've learned the secret of being content. And, and then he follows that up with the next to John three sixteen, maybe the yeah. best verse in scripture. And, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes. And, and it's one of the most well-known verses and probably the most taken out of context as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, I'm not dunking a basketball anytime soon at 52 <laughs> years old. That's not what that means. Um, but what it means is uh, we can get through whatever it is that God wants us to do, whatever it is that he's asking us to do, we can do it through him because he's going to give us the strength to do it regardless of our circumstance we're going to be able to carry out whatever it is that god is calling us to do through him because he's going to give us the strength to do it that's awesome that's that's a that's a that's a great way to we can we can kind of wrap it that way but but it's the power of presence man and um you know you may feel like in a situation i mean gosh i I, look, I'm doing really well. Um, I have been in the last year of just not watching the news. It's, it's been so good for me. Uh, don't watch it, man. Cause it just, it, it, you can, you'd be amazed at how much better your life is when you don't watch it. Um, I haven't been watching it and, uh, but I, but I have heard a few things on Twitter here and there, you know, I, I'm on Twitter cause I love sports. And, uh, so I follow, you know, beat writers and stuff like that, but some of this other stuff and you, you, you look around the world right now and it's kind of jacked up some of the things that are going on in our world. Um, but even in, even in 2021, when sometimes it seems like um, that we're alone, it seems like, you know, uh, maybe nobody's there. It seems like uh, the world is, is growing dark. And um, I think Matt Merrill alluded to one of this on one of the episodes uh, earlier on on here. He, he quoted Bob Russell, who, who used to say, it's good to be in the flashlight business when the power goes out. <laughs> and, and even when we feel like the powers went out, mm-hmm. we can know that Jesus promised us before he left this earth, that go do what I ask you to do, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to do everything that I've told you. But here's the promise. I'm with you always. And when we know that, and when we experience that presence in our lives, then when we're sitting in a jail cell, when we're sitting, you know, um, in 2021 with all the fighting and all this, you know, the uh, politics and the, all the stuff that's going on, we can know in a pandemic that he's with us always. And I can rejoice always because he is with us. Yeah. Amen. It's a game changer. It is, man. It really is. I like to, I use a lot of sports analogies and it'd be like, okay, let's say that, that, you know, I'm getting ready to play a basketball game against somebody, just a one-on-one kind of thing. And this guy's bigger than me. He's faster than me, better ball player than me. And, and I'm really up against it and I can't win the game, you know, but all of a sudden Michael Jordan steps onto the court and says, Hey, I'm going to help you out. You're going to win. Yeah. You know, 
and to an even greater degree, Jesus, there's, there's no enemy he cannot defeat. And he's, he's promised to be with us always. Yeah. It's incredible. It's a great promise. Um, you know, to know that, you know, how much different it would have been had I taken the scraps out. It didn't matter. Like I said, it didn't really matter who it was, but when I, when, you know, if my dad was with me, I never was scared, huh? Nope. Never. Nope. Um, because I, I knew that I had somebody there with me, especially somebody like my dad, who really, I knew I was going to take care of me, going to look after me. Um, still I'd take the scraps out, which was not the fun part. Right. But the fact that he went with me when I did it made, made a huge difference. And you could, you could probably look at how many different stories in the Bible of, of the presence of God being with someone during a huge moment in their life. I mean, you know, you, you just think of the major stories in the old Testament, like, like David and how David fought Goliath. And of course, everyone knows that story. And, uh, but, but the presence of God was, was very real to David where David was willing to go fight a guy that was like three times him and, and, and go fight him in front of all these people. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, it's a, an incredible thought that I feel like that, you know, I just popped into my brain, Holy spirit, or, or I don't, maybe not, but yeah. uh, I feel like sometimes we, we want to use those big stories to say that's when God is with us. And he's with us in the little things too. I think we overlook that and we yeah. overlook the fact that, that it doesn't have to be this big thing that God is asking us to do. It could be when we step out of our office here in just a few minutes and start to go home and we just meet somebody in the hallway. It might not even be that big of a deal, but understand he, he's with us always. Yeah, It's not just the big thing. It's in the little things, too. And I think sometimes, you know, the, the big things are in the Bible because they teach us so much about faith and it teaches us about sure. the power of God. And those are big. But we don't read all of the stories of David where it's just little things that happen, where he runs into somebody in, you know, in the in in, you know, his court or whatever, yeah. you know, that, that it's just a everyday run of the mill uh, encounter. Sure. God's there, too. Yeah. And yeah. I think sometimes we overlook that because we, we like to focus on those big life changing. Yeah. Moments. Yeah. And, and, and the great thing is, is again, realizing the word is always, it's not most of the time or, or some of the time, mm-hmm. um, not just in the big moments as you, as you said, but, but, but always, mm-hmm. and um, always is kind of one of the, it's, a, it's one of them words that are hard to kind of wrap our minds around, you know, kind of like forever. Um, we, we don't see outside of forever because we do everything inside of time. Right. Right. You know, we got to get this done within the next couple of weeks. We got to, you know, we're leaving here in our office here in a little bit and going home. We have the, we, we do everything. When you say forever, forever is a long time, Yeah. you know, and, and always is always. Forever is a long time as we know time. Yeah. But one of these days we won't be bound by that either. So, you For know, sure. we, we, we can't see the perspective that God has. Um, and he's, you know, he's not slow as some understand as we, you know, that's right. Not, it, it's all in his timing. And so 
we just have to understand that God sees things in a different way than we see see them. And it's it's uh, it, I just keep going back to game changer. I guess that's the sports fan in me. Um, yeah. But no, even if it is a Cubs fan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right on. Hey, uh, before, before I let you get off here, I got to know what your thoughts are. Mm. What's up with the uh, What's up with Amir Garrett getting five games? What's up with that? You know what? I Come don't on. know. I didn't see all of that uh, with the Cubs. It was. It was. Yeah, it was I, I saw some of that with okay. him and Javi. I thought Javi probably should have got something. Um, I don't know. Can you not be uh, happy and celebrating baseball anymore? I don't know. Uh, you know, we don't know what was said between the lines that the TV didn't pick up. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Now, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't like Amir Garrett. I'm, I make no bones about that. I, I think that there's sure. a uh, a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a line that you shouldn't cross as a professional athlete and showing up other players. Uh, I, I don't like trash talking, even from my player, you know, the players I like. I don't like it. I don't like the whole um, you know, talking down to another player or whatever. And I like a good bat flip every now and then. But, there you go. You know, I don't know. I, it's just weird to me, man. It's like you can't like, so now it's been this funny thing in Cincinnati where, you know, if anybody celebrates, it doesn't even matter if it's, if a Reds game or not, you know, somebody hits a home run and they get pumped about it, you know, game winning home run. They're like, Hey, Nick Castellanos probably just got suspended five games. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, but, man. uh, Hey man, thanks so much for jumping on. Castellanos, man. I love Castellanos. That's my guy. That's my guy. I hated to see him leave Chicago. Uh, We only had him for half a year, and I I thought sure we'd resign him. He's good. good He's been one of our best hitters, man. So we'll see, man. I'm just glad baseball's back. So, anyways, hey, thanks so much for jumping on. Um, appreciate you. Uh, you are a great friend, man. And, uh, you've encouraged me so much in my ministry and gave me opportunities. And, uh, man, I just, I really appreciate you. So, um, if there's anything you ever need, man, reach out to me. I'm praying for you, praying for your ministry at East Columbus and your whole team, man. Just got a great group of people over there. So appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you just saying that, and I'm going to continue praying for you, and you keep up the awesome work preaching and this podcast. It's good Thanks. stuff. Thanks, good. brother. Appreciate it. This has been a Behind the Micah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week, and remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both.